I never dreamed how much I would actually enjoy podcasting. When it was first suggested to me, I'll be honest, I was a bit intimidated by the thought. But when I found Anchor, I quickly realized how easy this was going to be. Anchor provides me with the tools to record and edit right within their program. I don't need additional software. I didn't even need to know how to distribute the podcast because they do it all for me. I would not be where I am today as a podcaster without Anchor. It's all you need and completely free. If you are looking to get started, download the Anchor app today or go to anchor.fm to get started. Since you are here listening to this, you have probably done some amount of research into narcissism. And by now, you have probably run into the word projection as it relates to narcissism. A relationship that is built on projections and expectations is a relationship that is doomed to struggle. I talk about this a lot in my group coaching program, but I have realized that I've never done a podcast episode on it. It is definitely time. I'm Renee Swanson, your host of the Covert Narcissism Podcast. Thank you so much for joining me today. Now, I want to define what projection is. It is the process of misinterpreting what is on the inside of us as if it's coming from the outside of us. You know, most people refer to projection as what the narcissistic person does. They are projecting their own traits onto us, the the gaslighting, the manipulation, and all these things that we've talked about, and they certainly do. However, I want to point out that projection is not limited to them. It actually affects all of us, and let me explain this. Good people project their goodness onto others, and bad people project their badness. Now, let's look at this. So good people expect others to behave in respectful and reasonable ways because that is what they do. That is what they feel on the inside. You know, let's say that you and your covert narcissistic partner have had this big, huge blow up. Things were said that should not have been said, maybe even by both of you. And inside you, you feel bad for your part of it because you are not, not a narcissist. And so you feel bad. And you feel that desire to apologize and to reconcile, and you're willing to be vulnerable with them because you expect that they feel the same way too. You project your internal feelings onto them. And so you approach them just knowing that you can both come clean, that both of you can carry some of the weight, that both of you can apologize, you can reconcile, you can be vulnerable together, and you can embrace each other in mutual love and respect. And this is a beautiful thing when it happens in a non-toxic relationship. Well, has anyone ever tried this with a covert narcissist? You know, tried to come and approach them and be vulnerable with them, hoping that, you know, expecting, not even hoping, you're just expecting that both people will carry the blame. Well, how'd it go? Were you successful? You know, this beautiful coming together of two souls that love and care for each other? Or did you find yourself in a two-hour circular conversation? apologizing for everything you've ever said or done, spinning your thoughts around and around, trying to figure out how you even got here in the first place. No idea what happened. Completely unsuccessful at reconciling. You walk away not even knowing if you feel better or not, but you're pretty sure you don't. You expected this person to behave in a decent and respectful way 
because that is who you are. It is what you are bringing to the table. And it's this very projection that causes us to cling to those small, random, good things that they do, those breadcrumbs that I've talked about. And we give them a thousand benefits of the doubt because we are truly convinced they are a good person. But we are convinced of this because of the goodness that's inside of us. And we are shocked over and over when they are mean, rude, and completely uncaring. Good people expect others to behave in a good way. Now, the projection that gets related to narcissism is bad people expect others to behave in a bad way. They expect that you are manipulative and selfish because that's who they are. They are defensively protective of, them, of themselves and they doubt the actions of others all the time. They are convinced that everyone has ill will inside of them and that everyone will take, advantages of other, take advantage of other people because that is what they do. They distrust others. And in fact, they cannot comprehend when other people are genuinely caring and selfless. They don't believe you. You know, they don't accept that the things you can, that you do can simply be done out of selfless love and compassion. Everything is calculated and transactional because that's who they are. Because of all these projections, our own expectations of other people is greatly affected. Good people expect others to behave in good and decent ways. Bad people expect others to behave in bad and selfish ways. When you are with a covert narcissist, your expectations that they treat you in a good and decent way cause you to get hurt again and again. You expect them to be loving and caring in stressful situations. And yet your heart gets stabbed over and over. It's my own expectations that keeps causing that knife to go into my heart again and again. They have shown you or they've, you know, my husband showed me enough times that they are not going to treat you well. How many times does a person have to treat you horribly before you start expecting that? Maybe it's time to change your expectations, if for no other reason than to start protecting your own heart. See, bad people, like I've already said, they expect others to behave in bad and selfish ways, and they look for ways that what you or anyone else is doing are manipulative, mean, or any hint of a way that they can perceive offense. I used to call this guard dogging. My husband was searching for ways to find offense in anything I did or said. Now let's face it, I'm human. I'm not perfect. It is possible and in fact likely that I'm going to say something that's going to hurt somebody, that's going to hurt his feelings. You know, my husband, I don't mean it, but it's going to happen because we all do that. Am I going to do something that possibly creates a miscommunication? Definitely. It's Again, it's going to happen. But it was like he was constantly seeking those moments and even finding them where they did not exist and would pounce on me as if I had just committed the worst crime possible. And then he felt completely justified in his constant distrust and anger. He felt superior in his amazing insight, proven right in, in all the ways that you know he looked out for himself and made sure he was taking care of himself. And there was no convincing him otherwise. My husband told me again and again that he knew my true intentions. 
and was constantly dismissive of anything that I had to say about it. My true intentions? Are you kidding me? He had no idea of what my true intentions really were. My true intentions were to love him, to support him, to care for him, to build a life with him, to work with him through adversities and and the stressful times of life, to be his companion for life. But he would never believe any of this because of his own projections and expectations. He misinterpreted what was going on inside of him, believing that instead it came from outside of him, believing it was coming from me. That's projection. Now, I want to tell you a story from my marriage that demonstrates so many aspects of this. So here's the story. We, we have a dog. Um, still have the dog today, but, but we had the dog while we were still in the marriage. And, and this dog, she's terrified of fireworks. They really upset her. And she gets cranky and, and snappy. In fact, she'll snap at you if you try to force her to, you know, come out from her hiding spot or try to force her to go outside. She gets upset. And it was 4th of July, which is the worst day ever for her. And the neighborhood fireworks had started. I was sitting at my desk and I realized when the fireworks started popping in the neighborhood, I was like, oh no, I should have taken her outside before this happened. She takes refuge under my desk and I knew she's not going to come out. Well, uh, my husband had come in the room and I made the mistake. You know, it's, it's a mistake to just talk normally around a covert narcissist. And I made the mistake of saying, yeah, I really should have gotten her outside before the fireworks started popping in the neighborhood. That one sentence. When you're with a covert narcissist, anything, and I mean anything that you say can create a bad situation. So my husband went and he got the leash. And he came to get her. He reached his hand down towards her and she started snarling. And I knew, I already knew when he went to get the leash, I knew this is going to be a problem. And I just was saying like, hey, dear, we'll do it later. Like, don't worry about it now. We'll do it, you know, later. Well, she starts snarling. And as soon as that happened, he yelled at her verbally, you know, no, don't do that. No. And gets real aggressive towards her. That was his reaction to her all the time. Well, now she's even more upset. And I've, I have tried and tried to get him to understand that she needs safety from us, not authoritativeness. You know, she was, she was upset. She was abused as a young, tiny pup. And so by the time we got her, she was already, you know, a little bit of this was already built into her. She needed safety. And even though, you know, he's told me many times that one of the things he really respects about me is my ability to train and work with large and powerful dogs, even dogs that, that have some emotional trauma in their past. And yet he refused to listen to any of my advice or thoughts about it. And he continues to try to reach down to her to hook that leash on her. And he reached down towards her, but she's starting, she's just getting snarly. She's baring her teeth at him. And she's a big dog. She's a German shepherd and she's a big dog. And she even snapped at him a little bit. And of course he pulls back and he's yelling at her and I'm sitting there in my chair watching this going, come on, how do I get out of this situation? I'm trying to sweet talk her. I'm saying things like, you know, Hey, it's okay, girl. In a very calm voice, just talking sweet to her. Well, this continued for a while. And I finally said, Hey, you know, this isn't going to work. Well, as soon as I said that he threw the leash at me, he huffs really hard and he storms off upstairs. Of course, making a big show of how upset he is. Well, I sat down on the floor with our dog for a few minutes, just helping her to feel safe. I, 
I didn't want her to feel forced to go outside. And so I just sat down with her, talking sweet with her. And after a while, she actually came out to me and just kind of snuggled up to me. The fireworks had kind of paused for a few minutes. And so I just real quick, I, I put the leash on her. I took her outside. She went to the bathroom. She was fine. She came back in the house and then she just burrowed under the bed, you know, because that's her safe space when the fireworks are going on. And he storms off, you know, like a child. He headed straight to the game room and closed the door and got on the Xbox. That's his refuge. You know, when he got his feelings hurt or when things got difficult in the house, that was his go-to. So I decided to go up and talk to him. Well, at this point, I was still trying to work things out in our marriage. I was still at that point where I was still believing in the goodness in him and, and expecting him to understand what I was saying. Like I was still playing that game. And so I told him, you know, I, I just really don't understand something. You used to tell me all the time that you married me because of my dog. And he, and he did. He used to tell me this. He told me over and over how impressed he was that I had trained her so well. This was a, a previous German shepherd. And he said, you know, if you can train your dog that well, then I want you to train my children. And that was one of the things he used to tell me. Well, I asked him, I said, if that's really true, then why won't you listen to me or even just talk to me? When it comes to the dog, you refuse to even consider what I'm saying. And then you stomp off as though I've just offended everything you stand for. I just don't understand. His answer to me was full of projection. His words, I can't talk to you about anything or say anything to you because I couldn't say anything to you because you were already upset. But I wasn't. I was trying to calm our dog down. He was the one that was getting upset. He said, all I can say to you anytime is that you're 100% right because there is no middle ground with you. What? That's not true. I find middle ground with people all the time. He told me that I see things as a competition so much that it either has to be you're right and I'm wrong or I'm right and you're wrong. That's so not true. This is exactly who he is describing was exactly himself. He told me because there's no middle ground. There's no conversation to be had. He's the one that stomped off. There's no talking about it, no working together. I was absolutely floored. All I wanted with him was to be able to work together, to have open and normal conversation. He went on to explain how he didn't even want to be involved in the first place. And I said, but you're the one that went and got the leash when I said that I was, you know, wishing I had taken her out. His response to me here, he said, yeah, but that was your passive aggressive way of telling me to take her out. Absolutely not. That was absolutely not true. The last thing I wanted him to do was to try to take her out. I was just conversing with my husband, the person that I thought was safe for me to make comments of, you know, just to talk to, expressing what was on my head at the time. There was no hidden agenda in that comment. I simply said, man, I really wish I'd gotten her out before these fireworks started. That was just a simple statement. There was no projection. There was no hidden agenda. But yet again, projection causes a covert narcissist to see manipulative behavior in anything and everything you see or do. Your words can't just be your words, you know, like normal conversation. I can't just be simply saying what's on my mind. It has to be a passive-aggressive comment that means that I want you to do something or that I'm making a demand or a judgment. It was just a comment. It was just a statement. 
And, and, you know, the comments that they make, this is where we get on the other side of this. I interpret the comments they make to just be normal conversation because that's how I function. But it isn't. If you've been with a covert narcissist, you know what I mean. It's full of passive-aggressive behavior. It's full of hidden agendas and projections. When I take it as normal conversation, he comes back later and says, well, I told you that you needed to do this, whatever, you know, whatever this was. And I say, no, you didn't. And now he's all justified and shouting at me saying, well, you never listen to me. It's no wonder, we, you know, that, that we can't get along because you don't ever listen to me. It's no wonder that we all feel like we're going crazy here. I want to go just a little further in this example to show you another really strong sign of projection that showed up. Somewhere in this discussion about the dog, he made the comment that we both feel like we're in trouble. Like he makes this comment. He used to say it all the time of, oh, I feel like I'm in trouble. And, and I hated it when he said that. It's not that I, I, I just don't see it that way. He used to use the phrase, you know, being in trouble often. And I don't like it because I don't, I don't look at this as, you know, a parent-child relationship. It's not that you're in trouble with me. We're teammates here. And, and I've told them this in the past, you know, you're not a child who's in trouble with me. I don't see the relationship that way. I really would like it if you don't use that phrase. And, and I would talk to him about the equality of our relationship. Well, the next morning, I'm sitting on the patio drinking coffee, and he came out and he asked, can we talk about what happened last night? And as much as I hate these conversations, because I knew where this was going to go, I said, yes. And he told me that he was concerned because I used the phrase, I'm in trouble. What? I never used that phrase. He wanted to make sure that I'm not seeing this as a parent-child relationship. Are you freaking kidding me? These were conversations we had had in the past about him using this phrase. And I told him, I said, you're the one that used that phrase. You've used it throughout all of our marriage. You're the one that said it last night, not me. I've told you before that I don't like that phrase. And as though he didn't even hear me, he talked right through me. And he just said, well, I just want to make sure that you don't see me as the parent and you as the child because, I, you know, I really don't want that kind of relationship. Wow. I was speechless. This was projection to the nth degree. He was the one trapped in a parent-child relationship, not me. So what do you do? I encourage you to check your own expectations of this person in your life. What good traits in you are you projecting onto them? What expectations do you hold of yourself that are affecting your expectations of him or her? And how do you feel every time they don't hit your expectations? Even simple expectations of open communication or mutual respect. I understand having these expectations. I had them too but they continuously cause us to get stabbed in the heart. You get mad at him or her because you ex still expect them to behave like a reasonable person. They have shown you over and over that they're not going to do this. I often get asked, you know, how do I stop getting mad at them? How do I just ignore the bad behavior? Well, I'm going to tell you now, stop expecting them to behave like a good and decent person. Stop expecting them to be reasonable. And when they show their true colors, instead of getting angry, you just say to yourself, yeah, here we go again. You know, some things just never change. Change your expectations. Expect them to behave in an unreasonable way. They've shown that over and over. 
Why wouldn't you expect it at this point? Your expectations that they not be that way is actually your own desires coming through. You want them to be reasonable, loving, caring, and respectful. And I understand this. I get it. I desired all that too, more intensely than I've ever desired anything in my entire life. But this says more about me and who I am than it ever did about my husband. Your desires and your expectations of them say more about you than they do about them. I had to change my expectations to better match my reality. And when you change these expectations, the abusive behavior no longer surprises you. This helps tremendously to keep your anger from rising, from being surprised, and, and it keeps you, you know, so that you can now handle your life more peacefully. It doesn't change your circumstances. It changes your reactions. You can start, certainly still call them out for their behavior, which, of course, they're going to object to, so don't be surprised there either. You can still leave the situation, choosing not to engage in their abusive behavior. That will enrage them, but it's your choice. You don't have to be mad in order to walk away. You can just choose to not be there. And now when their bad behavior shows up, instead of feeling violated, again, you just simply say to yourself, yeah, here we go again. This is why I feel the way I do. This is why I'm seeking answers and Googling words like narcissism and verbal abuse. This is why I need help. If you are struggling to make sense of your situation and trying to gain clarity on something that is so incredibly difficult to grasp, please come join my group coaching sessions. These sessions are powerful, and our next round begins on May 31st. These run for six weeks. My current members, this is some of what they're saying about these groups. One member said, the two hours that we spent together last Sunday were among the most valuable and poignant that I have experienced in recent memory. Another member said, I'm so glad I joined this group. I love having a small group where we can really get to know and support one another. This is a powerful step in my healing journey. Now, if you want to be a part of those groups, please look me up and come find me. I have two different websites. I want to make sure everybody knows this. Two different websites for information on these groups. One that has the word narcissism in it. It's www.covertnarcissism.com. But the other one, for safety reasons, for those of you who are being stalked online or just don't feel safe searching anything that has to do with narcissism, the other website is www.c. N-G, the letters C-N-G, which stands for Covert Narcissism Group. So C-N-G, lifecoaching.com. And if somebody asks you what the C-N-G stands for and you don't feel confident saying Covert Narcissism Group, the C-N-G stands for Community and Grace. You can sign up for the same group coaching through either of these websites. So pay attention to your own safety and use what you need. Okay, my email address runs through both websites too. It's Renee, R-E-N-E-E at covertnarcissism.com or Renee at cnglifecoaching.com. I look forward to hearing from you. I'm here to help in any way that I can. I wish you so much peace on your journey of healing.